Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Oh, thank goodness. The boys are back. If y'all listened to last week's uh, podcast with uh, uh, the crew from the Supernatural fandom movie, uh, Jared and Jensen did not feel like uh, announcing themselves, so we were very glad to have them back today. Uh, And uh, we're very glad to be back, and we're glad to have you all back listening to us. This is uh, Winchester Radio, Season 11, Supernatural, and Season 8 of the podcast. Um, Let me see. We're discussing the uh, season premiere called Out of the Darkness, Into the Fire, written by Jeremy Carver and directed by Robert Singer. Um, a good, a, yeah, okay. Um, we were talking a little bit before uh, we went on the air tonight. And uh, by the way, we don't have uh, any uh, guests tonight. So um, a little bit later after uh, Becky and Vinny and I have a chance to talk about the episode a little bit, um, we'll save the guest call-in number. And if anybody feels like calling in and also discussing the episode or asking questions, that would be great. Uh, and I will announce that number then. Um, I liked this episode. We talked about it sort of not being slam-bang action-y, but definitely lots of interesting things happened. It was the setup of many things, I think, for the season. Um, I thought it had a nice mix, actually. It had humor and and um, a few scares, at least I was scared a couple of times. Um, um, it set up everybody's little storyline for the most part, Sam, Dean, the darkness, to we saw what Crowley's been up to. Crowley uh, did uh, survive Castiel, in case anybody was wondering, um, in, a, in a pretty good way. And I hope the whole kind of crowley side thing it made me laugh it was kind of odd in there but it still made me laugh because it seemed so crowley um one of my favorite things about this episode i mean it doesn't happen till later on but i was just thrilled to hear them say there's noise coming from the cage in hell which has lucifer and michael in it and it's the darkness stirring them up in there. And I just loved it because that's from seasons ago. And that was another thing. Like, there's, there's a few things about past seasons that um, they didn't forget about and came back. Um, the other the favorite thing of mine is Sam saying hunting things is only half the bumper sticker. But obviously, if the other half is uh, uh, saving people. And we've talked about in the podcast after the past few seasons that Sam and Dean have lost track of there's a real person behind the meat suit and they blow into town, blow stuff up and blow back out again. And even though it's slightly hypocritical them saying that we have to get back to saving people and they'll do anything to save each other, sometimes the other people be damned, literally. 
I, at least like that they're discussing it and, and they're sort of trying to get back a little bit. Um, I, I just looked down at my notes and, and the road so far at the very beginning, um, Ben uh, played a Creedence Clearwater Revival song. All I thought right away was, oh, Becky doesn't like this at all. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that, that is the one... CCR song that I actually like, and it was in. Oh. They used it in the season. They it was in a season three episode. Um, uh, the name is escaping me right now. The one with Casey the Demon, um, sexy Casey, and Sin Dean. Yes, Sin City. They use it in that mm-hmm. episode when Sam and Dean are walking in the bar, and the way Dean moves mm-hmm. to the song, it's kind of like he's moving to the moving to the song as he's walking through the crowd. So because of that scene. I like the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. I, I was okay with that. Although, Vinny and you both know my hatred of John Fogarty, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was funny. Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that you were able to get, get through it. Um, some other things, the, the darkness. Um, I feel a little bit like Cass, who says the darkness is a woman, <laughs> um, but the way she looks, and now she's also a baby. Um, I know some people are talking about the baby being Dean's and the darkness, which I, I, I'm pretty sure I disagree because the baby, the baby was the child of Mike. Who we saw the father, and then and then the mother who gave birth to her, and then died right after. So I don't think she came from there, but I just think um, the darkness Amara took the baby over for the time being, so Dean could save her, saved her. No, I don't think that. I I don't think that it's a possessed baby. I think it's kind of the idea of of Damien in a way, like this is an incarnation kind of thing. That yes, I don't think it's, I think she was able to manifest as a a baby being born, but I don't Mm -hmm. think she's possessing the baby. I think that baby is Amara. I think this, and Becky and I were talking about this yesterday. I have a, Mm. I I shouldn't say I have a feeling. I have a hope that they're going to play with timelines. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking that the Amara that we see as the darkness with Dean is mm-hmm. the same Amara that's the baby, just grown. I think it's that. And as much as I'm going to hate myself for saying this, I think they're going to kind of do what Twilight did with the baby that Edward and Bella had. I hate that I know that. Uh, I, I, I don't I, know, I, so. <laughs> okay, Edward and, okay, spoilers if you've never seen or read Twilight. I've actually never seen or read Twilight, but I know this uh, because I have friends who read Twilight. Mm -hmm. They have a baby in the fourth book, I think. Renesme, Renesme, I don't know how you say it. But anyway, they have a baby. The baby eats her way out of Bella, but Bella's a vampire, so she's fine. She heals herself, whatever. But the baby, like, grows up super fast. So mm-hmm. she doesn't age in real time. She ages rapidly. So, like, she's all of a sudden 15 and then blah, blah, blah. See, I, so I, I, I don't want that to happen. I thought about that. No, no, no. I don't baby. particularly I want that part I, to happen. Or, 
I, I hate that. I, I just I, the only place I don't mind that happening is on a soap opera, but because it's just kind of a, a thing soap operas do, the infamous no, Doraz. What I'm saying is but, I don't want I don't that want in particular to happen. No. I don't want that in particular to happen. I think that's going to happen. What I'm okay with happening is if they start playing with timelines in a way. Because I don't quite understand why Dean had to be saved from the car and Sam didn't. So was something else protecting Sam? Or is Amara a Mark of Kane? Nobody has the Mark of Kane except the baby right now, Amara. It was because well, Dean well, had, had Dean had the mark. No, 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 he had it. No, I'm not saying why she protected him. I'm saying why did he need protecting, but Sam didn't. I don't think she took him out because she was protecting him. I think exactly that's my she, point. I don't think yeah. she did. I think that was subterfuge. I think she's yeah, saying. I, that she she's protecting him, him, but really it was to talk to him. Yeah, exactly. She took him out to meet him and talk to him. That was my impression, too. Well, Sam, I have two, Sam specifically I have two says that, you know, he, that he was safe because he was in the car. The people that were in the houses were safe. It was only the people that were outside, like the road crew specifically, because, you know, they were working outside. It's only the people that were outside that was affected with the black well, man thing. Amara doesn't mm. say what she saved him from. You're assuming that she saved him from being rabid. But she doesn't actually say what she saved him from. So no. I have two theories. Mm. I have two theories. Do you One think is that, that, that grown Amara and baby Amara, like, and you're talking about timelines, that she just she just sort of exists all at once in many incarnations? No, that's, that's going to be one of my theories. Okay, so one of my theories is, one of my theories is, that she pulled him out of the car to protect him and something else protected Sam. I'm not really like mm-hmm. I'm not really married to that theory. I'm just acknowledging that it's a possibility. My other theory is is that she well, pulled Sam him out special. of the car to you know, Sam is different. You know, he's not he, he's not he's not to me if I was the darkness I would well, not think they were you know, I I still No, because I don't think the darkness would think of of, of Sam is, I mean, you're saying, assuming that because Sam's a vessel, Flash has demon blood, Flash may not have demon blood, whatever. But I don't think the darkness is concerned with that kind of shit anyway. But I, I don't think the knows anything about anybody because she's been locked up so long. She was like, who's this? That's what I'm I saying. Don't I don't know. think she's concerned with it. That's what I'm saying. I don't think she would be concerned with, I'm not supposed to mess with Sam Winchester because it's nothing to her. She has no, no concept of that. So I, don't I don't think, think it was like a conscious, was. I don't want to mess with him. I just think because he is who he is, maybe, no, that, that I don't think whatever so. happened didn't, not so No, because the only, thing that makes Sam, the only thing that makes Sam different than Dean, they're both vessels, so the only thing that makes mm-hmm. him different is if he has demon blood still, which you can argue that because everybody has an opinion. I'm not going to say either way whether he had or has, that's the only thing that makes him different than Dean. And I don't think the darkness slash Amara has any concept of don't mess with demons because does she care? Doubtful. I, yes, um, I don't think she, she knows anything. She says, I don't know. Who is this death? And yeah, so if she doesn't she, know death, oh, she's I'll, certainly I'll not going to go some I'll, dinky demon somewhere. Yeah, I'll get to my issue with that in a minute. Anyway, um, but... 
so that's like I said, I'm not married to that theory of something else protecting sound. I'm just acknowledging that it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. My actual fear my actual theory is is that I think that she pulled Dean out to begin influencing him and begin strengthening her bond to him. And I think when she says, you know, I I have to thank you, I don't think she's thanking him for releasing her because he technically didn't. I think she's thanking him because I think that Dean is going to feel compelled to protect the baby. Oh, I completely mm-hmm. agree with that. I think, yeah, whatever, um, yeah. I think because I think because he had the mark, he's got that connection to her. And uh, first, and real quick before I get to that, how cute was the baby mark? The mark on the little baby version. Oh, I was like, oh, that's super so cute. cute. <laughs> but See, I don't know if you've your baby, but that was adorable. We should say we should say the cutest. We should say the cutest three babies ever because they were triplets. Um, but I, I, but they're babies. I, I, I completely agree that because he had the mark, he has that connection with her. If it was Cain, if he was still alive, I think he would feel the connection. And but because he had that mark, um, he's got the connection, the bond, whatever, with Amara. And she's going to use that and and to do her bidding kind of thing. And I don't even know if it's going to be so much a do her bidding kind of thing. I just think he's going to be very reticent to like right now. He's very we got to kill it. We got to kill the darkness. We got to kill the darkness. But I think that as the season progresses, at least towards mid season, we'll see if it continues beyond that but I think he's going to find himself unable to just dispatch her, that he's going to have, like, a crisis about it. And I think that's going to be the brother conflict that we see this season is going to be Sam going, oh, we need to take care of this, and Dean going, okay, but wait, wait, I don't know if I want to just blow her up. Yep, I agree. I think that's what it's going to. So, mm-hmm. um yeah, I but I I 100% think that they're going to do the the Twilight baby fast. Oh, oh, definitely. definitely. She she's definitely going to do the rapid aging syndrome thing. Yeah. Um cuz I but I don't yeah. I don't think she's going to I don't think she's going to go along possessing. I think she's going to slowly become who she is right now I, in terms I of being what a shocker! You and I 100% agree on something. I this know. Is... <laughs> I'm kind of blown away by this. It only took us eight years, right? Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's we, we have we have to mention the new title card. I I I think it's awesome because it's a total throwback to season one. You know how it was oh, season me one. Too. The simple blue, yep. you know, and it goes right in your face, you know, with the vibrating back and forth thing. And this one totally does that. And I love that so much. I love that. I like it. It made me feel like season one and a little bit of season two, like a, just a little bit of the yeah. glow, kind of right. the fiery glow. The, the and that made me feel, yeah. 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 I loved it. I loved it. I think it's great. I, I, like, I like getting back to the simple. It, it was, it was I, I really like it. It's mm-hmm. not my favorite, but I did like it. I think, I still think season six has been my favorite, but I did like it. 
I like it. I like it better than some of the flashier ones we've seen recently. I do like getting back to because my favorite ones have been seasons like one through six. So I like getting. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I like that it's not quite as flashy. I have to admit. I think mm-hmm. my favorite so far has been season. I think it was seven. It was with the tablet. Um, oh, oh no! Wait, was that seven or eight? No, that was seven. I think you're right. And I thought I, I thought that was really pretty. But then it would my second favorite though would be number one because I just like the simplicity of it. It was I really liked it. Mhm. I liked the bonanza um, one. Not that it was <laughs> for a whole season. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm not <laughs> counting specialty uh, title cards because they're in I their know. own little category and they're all fantastic. In the Christmas and the X Files. Man, their credits like their credit game is strong on that show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you have to? I like it. Um, one of the, oh, I have, one I of the things I've always liked about Supernatural is that they don't have like an opening theme song that you get tired of. You just get a dynamic mm-hmm. title card, and then that's it. I love yep. that. I've always loved that because you know you can have a great title uh, theme song. You can't beat the Friends theme song. But, you know, it gets tiresome, and you fast-forward through it eventually. Uh, thank you, thank you, Dog DK. She corrected me. Season 7 was the white and black with the splash of Leviathan do. Season 8 was the yes. Thank, thank Okay, you, I thought Dog, it was 8. Thank you, Dog Paw DK. I appreciate you correcting me. Thank you. I thought it was 8, but then I always question myself when it's you because you have a way better memory for these things than I do. I think I was so. thinking it was... I was when I'm putting the numbers up, even though season seven was Kevin's first season, I always still think of season seven as a Kevin season, even though he's only in it at the end. And the tablet yeah, deals with Kevin, so. But I should have known because season eight was all about closing closing the gates uh, with the information from the tablet. So yeah. Mhm. I have a question. Um, towards the beginning, Sam wakes up. He goes looking for Dean, and we see Dean wake up in the middle of the field, and it's like Sam walks right at him like he knew where he was. And I'm like... I have actually a lot of... I have a lot of little issues with certain things about this episode, and that's one of them. Like, how like, did you just find someone that easily in a mile radius? Like, you just happen oh, to I, find him. I, I want to say, how, how, long, how long was Sam looking? I mean, time was played with a lot here. Maybe he looked like in a in a in a... Words escaping me, but you know, like in a pattern, you know, in a in a particular way. The thing you, is, you is know, if square, you're, or, or um, okay, we know I that they don't have some special like internal homing device for each other because this, that's well established that they don't. So my right, problem with that I, is, is if you want to show me that he was looking for Dean for a significant amount of time, you have to show that in the color editing. Or, you know, in in terms of yeah. either color editing or filming, that time has gone by. Because in terms of coloring and daylight, it's literally, they are telling me that Sam walked directly to Dean. Yeah. Like, as, a bro- as a brother, Sam, I'm like, oh, that's cute. But in reality, it's annoying to me. The only thing I can so, think of, and, and again, they, they could have showed me that that's how they did it, if Sam used Dean's phone to track him on the GPS. Like they have shown, they've done. But, see, but, but then my problem is, like is a phone in his hand, you know. 
that's my and that's my thing is I shouldn't have to sand wank something in order to make it work right. logistically. Mm-hmm. So to yeah. me, that wow, I'm very impressed, Sam. Right to Dean. <laughs> yeah, I, that that bothered had, me in terms of writing, directing, and editing. I had no problem with it because to me, it's just one of those TV things you got to do. Unless you want to have, if unless you want to. You know, waste a lot of time with Sam looking at him for him. Might as well just have him go directly to him. No, but I'm saying they could have shown it and they could have done it in really quick ways, like mm-hmm. they're saying. Either show that Sam is tracking him with his phone, or for me, show me the daylight change. That it went something from that shows me he night. didn't. Or yeah, or at least setting, from like know, early afternoon. Yeah, early afternoon okay. to later afternoon. But don't make right. it seem like Sam directly walked a straight path to Dean because that's. Preposterous! I, it would have been funny if he'd fallen over him. <laughs> you know, I was like walking along and tripped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I Which get, I get that you want. I get that you want the visual of you know, gruff and rugged Dean lying in a field of flowers because you know visually that's interesting. I get that. I do. But mm-hmm. for me, Bob Singer being one of my favorite directors. I expect better, I guess, because Bob Singer is one of my favorite directors. So yeah. my bar, my bar for him is set really high. Mm. Yeah, I mean, a, I, didn't, a, I didn't hate it. It didn't ruin the episode for me, but it was one of those where I went. <laughs> yeah, so, it, like so. I said, it just—it was one of those little. There was a few little twitches in this episode that I just was like, Ugh. and a lot of them were. Uh, editing, to be honest, I. If you look at the mm. scene between Crowley and Cass, Cass's aim is really off in terms of the where he would stab Crowley, and the way they edited it, it looks like Cass stabs Crowley and then Crowley smokes out. So technically, that shouldn't have saved Crowley because he shouldn't have mm. been able to smoke out. But it's an, it's the editing. It should have been edited reverse. I think they did that on purpose, though, to make us think that he killed him. And then no, because they're him. showing us him smoking out. I got the idea that it was supposed to be Crowley saving himself. That's the way I completely read the scene. Yeah, I just oh, thought that, the editing. I, did, I, I thought did the too. Yeah, but I think the editing is. I know. I get what you mean, but I think that sometimes you have to. You can't go for bad editing just to show something, you have to trust your audience a bit more. So time it. I've had they, I mean, those, they're split-second switches. So had they done it to where Crowley smokes out before and just let Cass think that he killed Crowley and then realize, no way, they didn't. Instead of, I think you should trust your audience a bit more because it's just we're we're a smart we're a smart fan base whether you're a whether you're in fandom or you're a casual viewer or you're somewhere in between like my like I always consider my mother in between uh, and she's my barometer for things because she's not in fandom but she is very loyal so she's always my barometer so when I ask her like did this bother you or am I just being like way too fanish about it and this was one of the things that this was something that bothered her. Because they didn't need mm-hmm. the first clip clip of Cass stabbing him. They could have done just the second clip where it's Cass remembering, and that would have worked just fine. 
Yeah, there were a little diff- a few different things that they've never used before in the show, and that was one of them. With the going back to the same flashback that you've already seen, you know that you know they did the same thing with Dean. They did it with Cass. Yeah, you know, I didn't like and, and they, it. They've never done that before. I thought that yeah, that was way different. But here's the thing I want to know. Please answer this question for me. If you don't know the answer, maybe it's supposed to be answered next week since it's basically a two-parter. I I got the impression that the black vein disease thing, whatever's going on there, was is actually maybe a good thing because it seems like they want the baby. You know, maybe they want to get the darkness. Maybe the black vein thing is a protection for the world that God is set up or something. I don't know. No, you know, I don't think so. Because that was the impression I got. The the father didn't try to protect Amara. He backed off of her. But he wanted her back, you know. um, But there was enough of him still left in him to where he was able to say, no, you need to take it, you know, when we saw him again at the end. Um, And, you know, there was the guy, you know, slamming on the door trying to get in there, you know, that Sam was all. I, you know, to me, I got the... That was the impression I got, but I, like I said, I could be completely and totally wrong, and, you know. I don't know that you're wrong, per se, because it's not, I don't think it was clear either way. My assumption is that it's not a good thing. Um, it's and not a I'm good not thing saying, for the people who have it, that's for sure. Right. Now, yes, they die. Way, like, I, I, I don't, yeah, they 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 die. Um well, when I say the construction, like the construction worker comes and he pursues Sam and Dean, there's really no reason for him to pursue them. And the deputy talks about, you know, going into that household and them not halting and blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, whether they're good or bad in terms of Amara, I think they're technically bad guys in ter- in, yeah. as far as like, you know, saving people, hunting things. I think That's they are hunted. They are. They are things to be hunted. They are. I think they're going after Amara because Amara specifically says that Dean saved her, and I think. But then Dean why is, go after Sam? They went after Sam too. Why go after Sam? Because they they want you know they they want what they're doing is when they're infecting people is they're making more art. They're making more people for their army, and I, that's. That's where I got it. Well, I mean, then you're getting into a metaphysical thing because if you think about it, and I'm going to reference this because, let's be real, the episode referenced it without saying it. If you think about The Walking Dead or you think about anything, it's that classic, you're the hero of your own story. So, I mean, technically, are zombies really bad guys? No, they're just corpses that are animated and they're going about their business and survival of the fittest and they're eating. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm... I'm not getting. I'm not trying to get metaphysical because believe me, that's way above my pay grade. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I, what I just mean in compare in to to Amara, are they for Amara or are they against Amara? I got oh, the impression um, that they were against Amara. They want to take her out. I don't really know. I you know what? I didn't really think about it either way, in terms of Amara specifically. Because you think. That with the darkness coming and it's infecting these people with the black vein disease, that it you know they're making people for her. 
you know, that they're doing things for her, for the darkness. I don't I yet. say that. I would agree with that, except for um, that they peter out. Right, which, you know, just could be a defect with them or something. But, you know, they're, for some reason they are being created. And is it, I, you know, I, I do think it's going to be more, personally, I think it's more going to be similar to a zombie thing where it's just, a disease. It's a it's a side effect, and it's neither good nor bad nor overly sentient. I mean, obviously they're sentient because yeah. they can't drive. You say uh, it's but, a disease and a side effect thing. Thank you because that was one another thing that, that probably the only thing about the episode that bothered me was the, Sam kept saying that they're not human, and I'm like, how are they not yeah, human? Yeah, I thought that, well, <laughs> and I thought it was really weird that they just jumped to they're not human. And, yeah. and I'm gonna, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna nitpick something else about the episode. The dialogue was really weak, because I don't understand how you can go from it's okay that you killed him because he's not human, and then jump to, you know, saving, you know, hunting things is only half the bumper sticker, and then jump directly to we can't keep doing this, and then jump to but I do it again, and then jump to but we can't keep doing this. The dialogue was all over the place. It made no, there was no cohesion in the dialogue. I don't know if that's on purpose or not. I'd like to give the menaces of doubt and say it's on purpose. And I'd like to think that Jeremy Carver isn't just writing words to write words, because that would really break my heart if he is. (laughs) But I'd like to think that he knows that he's not making sense rather than him just not be making sense. Well, I didn't mind first, Sam's, Sam's conversation jumping around to to saying let's save them, but yes, I I do it again. You know, Dean Dean's his weak spot. Dean is Dean will no, and like I'm saying, I didn't exactly have a problem with the him. the concept but of it. Saying, I had a problem I know I with the writing problem. of it. Let me let's work on it. Let's work on it. Right, and as, as I said, I'm not, I don't have a problem with the concept. I had a problem with the execution in terms of writing. I don't have a problem mm-hmm. with the concept. The concept I quite like because, like you said, we've discussed this, and I, I'm one of the ones that has a huge issue with it, is the is the constant disregard for the human behind the possession, whether it's a demon mm-hmm. or angel. Um, and I get that when there, I get when it's something that there's no coming back from, you know, or it's something that's, you know, it's a vampire, mm-hmm. there's no coming back. You You can't, you know, once you have your first kill, there's no coming back. Um, you know, things like that. But especially when it comes to demons and angels, that there is a, you know, we, they touched on it last year with Hannah specifically saying that she could hear the real Hannah, or I forget what her name was, screaming inside her head. And, you know, they touched on it with Cass finally dealing with, with Jimmy and all that. Fine, we talked about it. Are we going to do something with that? So I'm all for it, but if in three episodes they use Ruby's knife to to kill a demon or Angel Blade some, something, I'm going to be like, okay, so what was the point of the conversation? And I know that they're going to do it. They're going to do it. So what is the point of the conversation? Because Sam's not only talking about we have to stop sacrificing the world, he's saying in general – and we know that 
they're going to do it if for no other reason than the budget of the show. They can't keep eating up time or dialogue or whatever to slip in an, oh, yeah, we did an exorcism. Oh, yeah, we did an exorcism. It's just not going to happen. So I have I have I have a problem with when you write dialogue that sounds really good but is sorta of worthless because again at the end of the day you have to do one of two things. If you're gonna have Sam give a speech like that, then you can't test it. You can't test Sam and Dean on that because they're going to burn the world for each other or else you have to stop doing the show. Here's my feeling on the thing, which I totally agree that, yeah, they, you know, they don't, they used to try to protect the person that's possessed, and they haven't done that in years. But I can I can see also that, you know, they've been doing this for so long that I can see where you would evolve to where you just feel like you got to do what you got to do and do it. And sometimes in the heat of the battle, of course, you have to, or else you're going to die. But, um, you know, so I, I can see it both ways. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I don't, I, don't necessarily, I don't necessarily have a problem with Sam saying it, but it kind of just sounds sort of empty. And I get that not only, you know, they've been doing this their literal whole lives, and you get jaded and you you lose... You're so focused on completing the mission, whether it, you know, whatever the mission is, that you forget about the casualties because you're looking to win the war, not the battle. And I get that. I totally get it. Whether I like it or not is irrelevant. I get it. However, if you're going to have dialogue like that, it's one thing for us as an audience to feel that way. But if you're going to have dialogue like that, that is basically Sam saying, I regret what I did, but then I also don't regret it. But, like, I can't do it again, but, like, I totally do it again. <laughs> and you also have Dean. You also have Dean being really noncommittal about it because I feel like Dean knows that he's going to do it again. Like, you can't, keep, you can't keep teaching them a lesson that they really haven't learned. To me, even though the first time I watched it, it sounded confusing, but once I thought about it, when I watched it the second time, that is. To me, it felt really realistic because I could see where it, I can. I totally understand what Sam was saying because it's like, you know, we we got we got to stop this. But you know, I'm sorry. I I love you to death, and I would do it again. But I feel bad that I do. I would do it. But see, he doesn't say that he feels bad. He doesn't say that but, he feels bad though, because I don't think that he does. That, and I'm not well, confused me, by the dialogue. I'm not remotely confused by the dialogue. I no, just think me, it was poorly executed. Me saying, but I feel bad. That was just the feeling that I got from mm. Sam. But see, that I didn't was, get that feeling. I'm not saying okay. you're wrong. I'm saying I didn't get that feeling. Right, right. That was not the emotional yeah. takeaway I got from the writing or the performance or the directing. The emotional takeaway I got was, <sighs> okay, here's my thing. Stop making me feel bad as an audience member for wanting Sam and Dean to burn the world for each other because they are my protagonists. I want them to survive, and I want to. I care about them more than you know, random person that comes in the door. I don't know. I'm not intended to care about that person. Why should I? I need to care about my protagonists because if you don't care about your protagonists, why am I showing up every week? <laughs> 
You have to make me care about the, the characters that I'm showing up every week for. And when you have a show that's centered around what boils down to one protagonist that two people play, because you can't, this is not ER, this is not any other show where one can leave and the other one will continue the series. It's not like that. So it boils down to us having one protagonist that is the Winchesters. If you're going to have that, either stop testing the burn the world idea the way the past three seasons have been. Not to say that it hasn't been done before that, but it's been consecutively for three seasons. Stop doing that or stop making me feel bad as an audience member. Does that make sense? But I think as an audience, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think I think if we, you know, because because it's a TV show, we can we can be okay with Sam and Dean burning down the world for each other because it, it brings right. out so much amazing amazing performances and all that. But I I think we also you you also can't help but relate to it on a real level if that makes any sense. So you so Sam and Dean have to at least question and know what they're doing. Sometimes they do it anyway, but they know it's wrong and they have to question it. Your protagonist can't be Agreed. so gleeful about burning down the world for each other. They have and that's to why, that's why question I say each my other. Problem, I agree, and I, that's why I say my problem is not the concept. My problem was in the execution. I think Sam's dialogue could have been written slightly differently and conveyed the same point without literally contradicting itself in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. Because when you contradict, when you have him contradict himself in that way, because he's not saying, all you had to do, had to do was make a few tweaks, and which is to say, you know, him saying, and I do it again in a heartbeat, but I know that I shouldn't. All they have to do is say, but I know that that's a defect. I know that that's something within me. I know that that's something within us. Not we have to stop doing it, but I do it again, but we have to stop doing it. It's just a slight nuance that I think could have been finessed a little bit better, and you wouldn't have had your audience go, what? Because the, the truth is, like, like Becky's saying, she, she felt about differently about it on the second watching. The majority of the audience... And, you know, we get very insular when it comes to fandom. And as a fandom, we sit there and go, well, I watched the episodes like 20 times, duh. But my mother doesn't. My mother sees every episode maybe three times and not back to back. My mom's one of those people who's mm-hmm. like, I watch the episode live and then she watches it on TNT when she can. She catches episodes on TNT whenever she's around, whenever it happens. That's mm-hmm. your typical audience member. So that's who you have to play to. That's who you have to write for is your typical audience member. And you mm-hmm. shouldn't it shouldn't take your viewer multiple watchings and you know what we call fan wanking in order to make something work. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like there's little nuances that 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 could have been tweaked. I did notice Sam trying to keep to his new sort of 
philosophy, or or actually not really new, new old philosophy. And when he's when he's surrounded by the rabbits at the end, and he thinks he's about to bid, he's like he says to them, "Please let me help you." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh Sam, that's going nowhere." <laughs> but yeah, no kidding. Crying, <laughs> you know. And because the context of what Sam is saying, Sam is saying, and what Dean was saying is nothing new. You can take it all the way back to faith. Literally, is what we had in this first episode was Sam saying, "And I do it, and I, you know, and I, I did this," and Dean telling him, "And I told you not to." Mm-hmm. That's the same conversation they had in faith. So this is not a new concept, and that's why they have no issue with the concept. But. You have to, like I said, you have to find a balance between having your characters acknowledge it and not making your audience member or the characters feel bad for wanting it. Because what's the point, I guess? Mm. So, like, that's fine. But are you gonna if if you're gonna test it again, then you just make them look dumb, for lack of a better word, at the moment. Like I said, overall, I really liked the episode, but there were just a few things that stuck out to me mm-hmm. of me going, eh? What did you think of Crowley taking a taking taking a woman meat suit and then going to an orgy at his own house? <laughs> I love that. Actually, quite, Crowley quite as a possibly, swinger. <laughs> that was actually quite possibly it. my favorite part of the episode was, was I thought it was great. I was, I'm going to call her Jennifer or? Coolidge Crowley. She, I'm sorry, I didn't that was. She was fantastic as Crowley. She, she really fantastic. was. Oh, she her really. Name, her name is Kirsten Robeck. And she's yeah, I'm going to keep was, calling her Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, okay. She was in. Um, she was definitely she was in season, her. She was in season four's It's the Great Pumpkin Sam Winchester. Mm-hmm. She was. Yeah. Uh, she was Mrs. Wallace, um, one, the wife of the one, who, the guy who ate the candy and got the. Um, Razor blade in his mouth. Mm. Yeah, we had a lot of I, we had a lot of repeaters in this episode. But mm-hmm. I want to say my single most favorite little moment in this whole episode was when um, the neighbor guy, you know, Cooley, uh, Cooley Crowley is talking with the family when he's in the woman, and the neighbor guy does the gun fingers. Um, you know, oh. at, at Crowley, and Crowley goes, yeah, don't do that. You know, with his hand, he's like, yeah. no. <laughs> that, was, that was my single most favorite thing in the whole thing. <laughs> no. What made me laugh is just him saying, go ahead. Oh, no. Well, somebody talk. <laughs> okay, <laughs> mine, mine was... <laughs> I love when they talk at the same time. Okay, Susan, Susan, you go next. I was just gonna say my one of my favorite lines in that in that scene in the swingers scene was when when her husband says, "I slept on it and I prayed on it." <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Really? I thought that <laughs> was interesting. Pray to? Who did you pray to about this? That's that's what I would like. No, I'm getting trained with a with a kibosh on this, you know. <laughs> so it, it made me laugh when he said, "I I slept on it and I prayed on it." <laughs> prayed, prayed anyway. to God about an orgy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there were orgies back then. No, mine was with the demons that came to to get Crowley, and 
but you know, told him, and you, you know, you waited till after the orgy to call us, <laughs> and her delivery of, I apologized for nothing. No one, yes. I'm forget exactly what the line is, but the delivery was so spot on, Crowley. I was really impressed with the, with the actress. Um, mm-hmm. The again, and I know it was done for comedic effect, but. I don't understand why those couples were, I guess they were going for that whole 70s swinger vibe as a joke, but, like, those two couples were not old enough to be have a house decorated in 70s swinger style. Again, oh, that a little bit of a was a choice. Yeah, I know. It's just I know, I know, but it's that it's, it's I know that it's a '70s swinger joke that they were going for. But you know, people who are '70s swingers are not in their 40s. <laughs> they are now in their you know '70s. So again, it's just and because you know, I will admit that one of the reasons I'm very picky about things like that is that I have part of my background was in theater tech. So I get very nitpicky about those kind of things, and it's it's just a hazard of that. So I know that most people are going to go, <laughs> funny, whatever, and move on. And that's the intent, so it's perfectly fine. It's just I was I grew up learning how to, like, set a stage and, you know, be very intent on time frames and age, er, ages and eras and things like that. So I kind of, I just have the annoying tendency to look at those things. I know that it's an annoying tendency, so. So, yeah, don't, anyone listening, don't think that I don't know that I'm a jerk. I know that I'm a jerk about these things. I'm aware. I'm just nitpicky. I know. What do you all think about Crowley, uh, I'm sorry, about Castiel still having this dog thing? And I don't know if he's I'm bringing. Uh, well, no, I, 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 I'm really, you know, I don't know why they're keeping it going for so long. I, you know, I don't know what they're, you know, I'm curious to see what the storyline, how they're going to go with this. Because spoilers, I'm going to say spoiler here, so don't listen if you don't want to know spoilers. So put your fingers in your ears for the next 20 seconds. Uh, 30 seconds or so. We've seen photos from the third episode because Jensen directed it and they filmed it first. And Castiel still has the red bloody eyes in the third episode. So it's like, oh. why, are, I, okay. why are they, why are they keeping this going for do so long? Do you want a I real reason? Know. Do you want a real reason or do you want a storytelling reason? Storytelling. Which are actually going to be the same reason. They're actually going to be the same reason. Because Cass has no story. Cass has no story. The poor dude, they don't know what to do with him. So every year we have to reinvent Castiel. And it drives me nuts because I want season like four and six Castiel back. I'm never going to get those Castiels back. But Shirley Castiel every year. There has to be be something better they can do with Castiel than just giving him a Dog spell. And, I you know, think, but obviously not. Oh, <laughs> uh, when you put it that <laughs> way, that's really sad. If he's got a dog spell, no, you're and I don't. It's and basically here's my a thing. dog spell. Damn it. 
I don't understand. Yeah. Again, we're going back to like dialogue missteps. You can't have your character say, I can't help myself while he is literally helping himself. Mm. He's what? telling the kid, I can't control this, and he's literally controlling it at that moment by pointing the gun away and walking past the kid without hurting him and then running away. <laughs> I want Caspiel to be an integral part of the storyline. I'm tired of the him having his own storyline way off to the side that has nothing to do with the main storyline. It's like, oh, no, I'm perfectly fine with that. I just think it should be a better storyline. But I actually think it works better when Crowley yeah, and Cass have a real story. Oh, because that would be awesome, you, too. Yeah, you can't integrate them the way you're saying because it's just logistically impossible contractually. I, so I want, in order well, to, in well, order to, not necessarily, to that, he can, not necessarily, Cassiel can be all, you know, he can be off doing his own thing, but still working on the same thing that Sam and Dean are working on, which we've seen him do that before. But the thing is, Crowley, you know, he obviously is going to have a part in this dark, in this darkness line, darkness storyline, because he's the king of hell. So he's obviously going to have something to do with it. And you would think the angels will have something to do with it because, you know, it's a pre-biblical thing. God created the the Cain to keep the mark of Cain to keep the darkness off the way. So it's going to have something biblical to do with it. So you would think the angels would. But do they? No. They're off here torturing Castiel, hanging him by chains. And, and it's like, well, give them, I mean, that give them is, a better storyline. Well, we don't know what they're you know what they're going to do dialogue wise or story wise next episode. In that's a way, true. that's true. In a way, like currently, currently in terms of that portion, I get it, and that actually makes sense because he doesn't pray to them for forgiveness per se. He tells them do something with me so that I don't hurt anybody else. And whether it's because they don't know what else to do with him or it's revenge, whichever. They're making their technical right choice in that moment because, again, angels and supernatural are not good guys. They're not nice. They're not, you know, they're they're scary jerks. But they so that, don't they know that the darkness is on Earth now? Don't they maybe, have maybe not. worried about, they, you know, uh, if... Do they know? Do they would, care? Is there anything they can do about it? Well... Lucifer and Michael were rattling in the cage and the demons were telling Crowley about it and darkness and all that. So you Yeah, but we've learned that the angels are quite the angels seem to kinda only worry about stuff that is actually coming for them. Where and that's the difference I've always felt between the angels and the demons on the show, is that the demons are far more entrenched in what's going on with humans on Earth and how that affects them as a species where the angels are going, we don't really care unless it bothers us. But the darkness technically the bothered. darkness hasn't bothered them yet. Yeah. Because, it will. And it's awesome. like Crowley says, like Crowley's understanding was initially was, I should get along with the darkness. We're homies. And that's a misconception on his part. He's assuming that the darkness would want to work with him because he's evil, the darkness is evil, He's assuming. So it's, it's to me, to me personally, it's the dichotomy of their misconceptions where Crowley thinks it's a natural alliance 
And I feel like the angels are going, not our business. We don't care what you, we don't care what affects you little peons down there. It's not hitting us up here. And I have, I do have to say, I do agree with Susan that it, I, I was so excited to hear them mention the cage and Michael and Lucifer and concerning a certain spoiler photo that was Instagram. Yeah. I am very, very, very excited. <laughs> very, very excited. Yes. yes. I you have no idea. I'm you, not. You have no idea how excited I am. I cannot explain how excited I am. That, let me okay. That. Let me explain why I'm not excited. Okay, this is what I'm going to say. Because I come from the same line of thinking as as Kripke did, where it was everything scarier if you don't see it. So the hellhounds were really scary because we couldn't see them, and the cage was a terrifying concept because it was a concept. But then oh, we I, get to season eight, and you show me a hellhound. And now we're going to get to this, and you're going to show me a literal cage? Oh, maybe. I don't care. That, maybe. It, doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I don't care about the part I know of it doesn't bother I'm just, you. I'm just, that, and that's not the thing that we're, that we're going to see. It's the thing no, is, you're hoping that they're going to bring in the storyline. And not necessarily just Adam. I like that storyline. I love when shows go back to past stories and and expound I on it. I do too. I usually do too. So, so just the fact that they're going back to that makes me very, very excited. I usually do. We too. don't know how we're going to do it, but I'm excited. Yeah, I will be. I will be, I will be, I'm be excited till they show me a reason not to be. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm kind of neutral about it. I'm not excited or upset. I'm neutral. I'm not going to get overly excited because I don't know. I'm just not. Uh, maybe because I'm not that excited of a little person. That could be it, uh, which Becky can vouch for. I'm just really usually pretty neutral about stuff. Um, very, very true. <laughs> I just I don't really get super excited about anything ever. Uh, I do. I will say that for me personally, the Vessel storyline was never my favorite, even in like real time of season five airing. I was someone who was not that crazy about it for character reasons, um, but because well, I'm, not a big, I'm not a big, yeah, I'm not a big fan of characters that are married to their fate, like fate. So for me, it was a problem as someone who really enjoyed the fact that Dean chose to be a hunter, chose this lifestyle, made these choices, and in season five to come around and say. Yeah, you really didn't because you were destined because Vessel. Oh, it was so heartbreaking to me back then. And so not to say that it wasn't done well because I think it was a well-written storyline. Um, I just did it. It's not something I particularly liked as an idea for those reasons. So I'm not excited about revisiting it, but I'm not upset about it either. I'm just like, okay, bring it, whatever. We'll see how you do for me, season five is my very favorite season of all of them. So I mean, you're fine. It's fine when you're wrong. I accept you in all your faults. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. It's no season two, but, you know, you do you, bro. You do you. <laughs> so I know, for, I know for a lot of people, season five is their favorite and season four is their favorite. I'm a season two person. I always have been, always will be. Um 
and I and I say that on like a technical level too. I think that's when the cinematography was the best. I think that's when the directing was the best. So, and because I look at those aspects as well, I think that's actually going back that far. I think is when the VFX was at its peak. So I have different reasonings behind why I pick certain things as my favorites. Again, I think season five is great. It's uh, it's definitely up there for me. It's probably my third favorite season, third or fourth. Um, it's just, even back then, it was not a storyline I was super, super into. Again, solely for Dean reasons. I feel like it took away a lot of Dean's um, autonomy, and I just had a big issue with that because I always liked that it was his choice to do the things he did and to walk the path he walked. And I felt like season five took that away. Mm. I I liked the lateral aspect for me a little bit. I I get that, and I actually I actually agree to some extent because one of my favorite things about Dean for years was that Dean was was just a guy, was just a man, and he was a hero because of doing his best and trying his best and hunting and taking care of Sam, and he had no special powers. You know, he had no mm-hmm. nothing. You know, he had Dean and what his father taught him and then what he took from there. And I love that he was just a man. And, you know, I the, the show didn't stay with that. And, and I thought eventually the Michael part was, well, if you're going to change things, Michael's a pretty cool thing to change too. But at least Dean tried to not choose it. <laughs> You know, and did end up going his his own way pretty much. So it was so, yeah. I, I get guess, it. I, I guess I for me, for me, totally knowing you know, knowing that we that we knew. I mean, Kripke flat out said it. The only reason Dean didn't choose to allow Michael in was because the show was renewed for season six. So he was right. going in that direction. So again, mm-hmm. that diminishes it for me. It's one of those things that, again, being in fandom and keeping up with things like that, you can't you can't really get around, you know, explaining things away in a certain way because you know that there, there's a different reason for it. And for me, that's mm-hmm. it. I, I I can't get around it because I know that that's the intention. The original intention was to have them both accept uh, the angels into them and duke it out. But then. Then I I feel like it doesn't matter what what originally their plan was. What all that matters is what was actually shown on screen. No, no, I I agree in that aspect. Like, I don't consider it to be, like, any kind of false canon. Like, to me, canon is only what you see. I don't care what gets cut. I don't care what gets revised. That's not canon. But in terms of a character development, to know that, then I can't erase the way I feel about the direction that, that that was going to go and the way I feel about how it what it did to me uh, as a as someone who cared about being character in that way. I I just mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't get around it cuz you can't unlearn something. You, you you can't unlearn it. So I accept that one thing is canon and one thing isn't, but I can't unlearn the information. <laughs> There's, it's like it's it's a similar thing. It's not exactly the same, and it certainly doesn't have quite as much importance. But but for me, there's a bit of dialogue in this episode that's meant to be <laughs> not not serious, 
but, you know, uh, somewhat of a serious nature, and I will never, ever see it as a serious thing because of the French mistake, and they mentioned lock and key. And oh, that way. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't I can't do it. it. It's like Sam and Eve talking about a lock and a key. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I did it's just laugh, bad though. acting. It's all it is. <laughs> it's just bad acting. And that's my thing. You know, it's like I'm sure, you know, the people just roll right on by it and it doesn't bother them. And it doesn't bother me, but I but every time No, I, I just it, yeah, it doesn't it, bother me, but it did it did make me chuckle a little bit and you just again, you can't unlearn something. Yeah. So you know, it yeah. was it was it, it was in the French mistake, and yes, it wasn't re- you know it was parallel universe, but you can't unlearn it, you can't unhear it, you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah, I, I can't help it. Yeah, like sometimes if you watch the gag reels a lot, and then you go back and watch the episode, and you just it's a mm-hmm. really serious moment, but not anymore because <laughs> you're picturing picturing what happened dur- during. Oh, the yellow fever! I will never, I will never not watch yellow fever and not hear wood chips, wood chips, wood chips. <laughs> never going to happen. It's, I will always hear it, and it's never going to be the same for me. It's okay. It's one of my favorite guy real moments. But, it, it, yeah, it's one of those things where you can't, you just, like I said, you just can't unlearn something. Mm. Um, in terms the other hand, of... Hmm? Sure, oh, real quick, I, I, um, not to, not yeah. to interrupt, but um, it's 9 o'clock. Should we, you know, go ahead, you know, if anybody wants to call in, you know, they can call in. Oh, sure. Uh, if anybody wants to call in and talk about the season premiere, uh, here's the number to use, uh, 347-205-9801. Give us a call. Let us know what you think. Or if you had any questions or thoughts, uh, we're here. Um, on the other hand, there's a there's a couple of moments of dialogue that were meant to be humorous, and I, I thought that it was just wonderful, and it was a little bit of a Sam and Dean brother moment at the beginning, Dean is going back and forth with Sam about the darkness and what's happened and he gets in the car and in the baby that's still stuck in the mud hole and and he gets out again and he just looks at Sam and he's very aggrieved and he says, you still let me get in the car. And Sam kind of goes, <laughs> you were on a roll? <laughs> you know? like, I love, I love yeah. when they give Sam, yeah. Sam that snarky little brotherness that just it's it's yep. so subtle the way they do it where he's such a little brother and I love I it. Loved it I just, yeah. just loved it. It was just a favorite moment. And Dean just looks at him like, you know, he's so aggrieved. He's like, you still let me get in the car. Like you were on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> you know? it so I loved it. <laughs> anyway, great delivery there. Just everything. Okay. Um, I will, you know, okay. to be honest, it's it's a lot. It's an episode that was really designed to set up the next episode. So, mm. you know, not a whole lot happened. To be honest, it was really just. It was really weird to have a premiere that was kind of filler. Yeah, and, and yeah. I guess that it's. I guess that it's to bridge the finale to the second episode. It's just something we are not used to with this show. So it was a little strange. Um, not bad mm-hmm. change or anything. I think it actually worked just fine. I think it worked quite well, actually. Um, it just oddly leaves you with very little to to dissect mm. because not a lot happened. Completely yeah. agree. Um, 
Yeah. And and again, I, I liked it. I wasn't bored. I thought it it moved just fine. You know, kept my kept my attention. I liked I liked I liked the characters. I thought again, great casting. You know, for 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 everybody in it. I liked I liked the sheriff. I liked Jenna Jenna Nickerson. Um, poor thing, a uh, uh, deputy three weeks and thrown in the middle of you know a zombie movie. And you know she she held her own there, you know pretty pretty good. I mean, so worked out her. better for her than her. the last time she was on the show. Last time she was on the show, she got <laughs> alpha chomped. So mm-hmm. you know, like I said, this was a this was a show. This was an episode that had a lot of uh, revisiting actors for us, which is mm-hmm. kind of fun to play. She had great spot blue the, eyes. Spot the actor was super. Spot the actor in Supernatural, and what episode were they from before? It's one of the few shows that you can do that with a lot. Yeah, you can just you can go back and do that with the X Files because they were on a long time. Yeah, the Canadian acting pool. But and and uh, um, Jenna, the actress who played, she's got beautiful blue eyes. This stuff is like (laughs) they were so pretty. Yeah, especially since they Um, pulled her hair back, they made them stand out. Hmm. Um, there was another time, and, and, and as you know, I, I love me some Smart Dean. I love Smart Dean. I, I don't like when they make Dean look dumb to further the episode. And, but there was a moment where Dean used a, a vocabulary word that you usually don't use in conversation. It's more written usually or on a newscast. He told Mike, and it was an odd situation, he said, this situation is untenable. I'm like... I, I have no doubts that Dean is has a great vocabulary. He reads. We know that. But I was like, that was an odd word choice, Dean and, and for the writer at that particular moment. Oddly enough, that is a word that my mother used a lot, so I didn't even notice. How strange. Uh-huh. I literally didn't notice, but it's one of those words that mm-hmm. for some reason my mother uses a lot. I like that word. I've used that word, but I – but but. I mean, do you, do you agree or disagree? It was kind of an odd choice for Dean at that no, moment, I, and kind of an odd writing. I choice didn't as feel well. like it was. I didn't feel like it was odd until you said it. But I can. I get what I get. What you're saying. It's just so mm-hmm. weird that it didn't click until you said it. That yeah, it is a little strange. Yeah, and I, I, because I have no doubt yeah. that Dean knows that word. I he's smart. He reads. But usually, when you're in like. Like in that situation, in in that's not the first word that comes to mind, you know. And again, it, maybe it has to do with the fact that they're on the CW and they're not on Showtime, <laughs> because the word choice would have been a whole lot different. <laughs> oh, Showtime. yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so, but anyway, <laughs> I mean, I guess because no, I know. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it, but yeah, it is. It's not strange for Dean to use that word, like you're saying, because Dean is smart. It's weird that someone would write that word for him to say. Does that make mm. is that what you're because that's the way I'm thinking about it, and that make I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And at that particular discussion, like a like a discussion maybe with someone who was doing research for him, or or slightly this is a very in, intense, and usually that's not, but. That word would not be the first choice in that particular situational conversation. 
but I, it's, you know, again, it's not a deal breaker for the episode, but I thought it was another weird little moment. Okay, here's here's something I caught, and I mm-hmm. you know don't don't know if it's you know if it, if I'm right or I'm probably wrong, but um, to set it up, you know the back end season one in Shadow, there's that scene where mm-hmm. John reunites with Sam. John is reunited with Sam and Dean in their hotel room or whatever, and uh, Shadow demons the Davids show up. And, um, it, you know, they can't find each other, and it's all because of all the smoke. And you hear Jeffrey Dean Morgan's John say, over here. And I've always thought, you know, that, that line always bothered me because the way um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan says it, he doesn't sound like John's upset or anything, even though at the time he's being attacked by Davis. He just says, over here. And so that line has always stood out to me. There's it sounds out to me because it always sounded um, like they had to go in and do the uh, redo the audio. It exactly. sounds laid over, mm. which exactly. they, probably mm-hmm. exactly. they probably did, and that is why it stands and. out because it always sounds like laid over. It's the same way that when they do, and I know that everybody loves it, and it drives me nuts, is the, uh, hey, I love that movie in uh, Phantom Traveler. That drives me up the wall. Here's the reason why I'm bringing it up. Um, in this episode, there's a scene. I can't rem- I can't remember this exact episode, the exact scene, but there's a scene where they're chasing, they're running down the hall, and you can hear, I think it's supposed to be Sam, say, over here. And it's the exact same over here as used in Shadow. To me, it sounds the exact same. And I think they use the same sound clip from Shadow for that. I would have to listen to it for that. I don't I, I would I don't think they would use the same sound clip because it would be super weird to go all the way back and pull that clip when they can just have them do I, an ADR. I think it's probably ADR'd. I think when they were editing it or whatever they realized they needed something there and they pulled what they had. And I could be one hundred percent completely and totally wrong, but to me because I pay attention to when John says that every single time I watch Shadow, and I watch Shadow a lot because it's one of my favorite episodes. And to me, to my ear, it sounded the exact same. I'd have to, well, I mean, I would have to listen to it in this episode again, because I didn't pay attention in this episode. It sounded ADR to me, but it didn't sound, which, same. Shadow's probably the episode I've seen the most because it is actually my favorite episode. Uh, which is one of those things where I always think it's fascinating. It goes to one of those things where you can say there's a difference between something being the best of something and being your favorite of something. Right, right. uh, I'm not saying Shadow's the best episode. I'm saying it's my favorite episode. You know, when people always say that their favorite book is Anna Karenina. Nobody's favorite book is Anna Karenina. Nobody. (laughs) You're You're lying. Tell me what your real favorite book is. Don't tell me what you think is the best book. Those are two different things. Um, when you rewatch, when you rewatch the episode, pay attention and tell me if you don't think it's yeah. Shadow. I'd have to rewatch this one. I don't have to rewatch Shadow. I'll probably rewatch oh, no. Shadow right. this for, for science. You know, just for science. I'm not, you know, oh, not a course. in any way. Of course. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course. As of you course. do. 
But, yeah, I did, going back to something in this episode, because I mentioned it briefly and then we got sidetracked, I find it very interesting that the rabbits are, and I always feel like I'm saying rabbit, that the rabbits are able to drive and be really aware, which I'm glad they did that to keep it from being too Walking Dead, although, for real, this was super Walking Dead, y'all. Like, literally certain moments were cribbed directly off The Walking Dead. But I did like that they did that slight variance to keep them from being, like, legit zombies. I get it. Zombies Mm. are really hip and cool right now, but, like, meh. So I was glad they did that. I just found it really interesting that they were so aware. Because Mm. we're used to to that kind of, you know, air quote monster. We'll just call it a monster being the kind that's going to, like, bump into a wall until it, like, finds a way through. And these mm-hmm. dudes got in a car and drove directly to the hospital. Oh, side note to that, because this bothered my mom. And I really wouldn't have thought about it. I, I literally blew it off in the moment, but it bothered her. When the phone rings when they walk into the hospital and Dean says that they're not going to answer it because it's just another person to worry about, not only was that super cold, but it's super weird. Like, okay, you're basically in a ghost town. The phone rings and you have no desire to answer the, the other line. No, nothing at all. You're just going to let it ring? Okay, that's great. I thought that was, I, I didn't think it was weird until she mentioned, like, that's kind of weird, right? And I was like, oh, I guess it is. Because mm. you have, not only are you, I mean, one, you're you're a hero, and two, you're human. So, like, curiosity should really, really lend to you answering the phone and figuring out who's calling? Uh, if it was me and I walked into a hospital with the town going crazy and everything and the phone ringing off the hook, I'd have totally ignored it too. But, of course, I'm I'm a chicken shit person, so... Well, okay, <laughs> would you, would you ignore, okay, would you have ignored it as you? Would you have ignored it if you're Dean? I would think I would too because he's, you know, he doesn't... He's just trying to get her sewed up, and figure. so I, I I would think he would ignore it too because it's just basically somebody else calling for an ambulance, and once he can't really help them, so yeah, I would I would think he would ignore it too. But I don't. And again, it wasn't weird to me until my mother was like, "That's super weird," and I was like, "Oh, yes, it is." Yeah, I didn't I didn't think about it. Either. Nobody, nobody, yeah. like, he said no, and she accepted it. And I also feel like maybe they could have, she could have maybe played her pain a little bit more pain, because I've, I've gotten stitches, and that mess hurts. That hurts. And she's just like, ouch, ow, ouch. I kept think, I kept waiting for something to be wrong with her, like her not be human, because she was taking that real easy. Well, we've got next week to go, so. <laughs> it's true. Uh, another best thing about the rabbits being a little more aware and sentient when they're attacking Sam and then they realize he's one of them. Mm-hmm. I, that was such a creepy moment. They were right there and then they realized, oh, you're okay. You're one of us. And then they just 
walk away. Well, so, and, and to me, that was one of those would moments. kind of chew on each other. You know, zombies would just no. keep going. You know, we don't care. And, the, and, and no, that was one of those things that I felt was really cribbed off The Walking Dead because in The Walking Dead, they cover themselves in blood. Oh, okay. spoiler if you don't watch The Walking Dead. Um, <laughs> it really happens. Oh, I do. <laughs> I do. Okay. And, because and they, what right. they do they, when they, they don't cover really themselves so that they yeah. can so that they can move within so the crowd and not. Yeah, so yeah. that was another one of those where I was like, meh. I guess I was thinking more of heat of the moment fight that, that they wouldn't pay as much attention to what was happening. But yeah. yeah I think right. it's, I mean, it is just, a, I think it's very much a sense thing for them. Um, and we we know that it's a very short shelf life for these rabbits because the father turns yes. and flops really quickly. So next episode, Sam needs to fix himself really quick. And I I'm, I'm find it interesting that we're going to obviously learn how to fix them this quickly. And mm. I mean, it's not, it's not going to be, it's not a, it's not a, a, it's, it's slapping a bandaid because again, they have a very short shelf life. So if you really want to save the human race, Right, uh, and if they're that short, what are know, what are the what's the point of them? Like, how are they helpful? Like, what is their purpose? well? That goes to what Becky was asking. You know, is it is no, it I don't, I don't are they do they have a purpose or is it like I said? Is it just a side effect, an infection type of side effect because the humans and the darkness predates humanity? Are they experimenting? Are they, that they going to live longer? Are they going to live longer as whoever's making them get well. better at it? That's possible as well. We'll have to figure. That's something that's like I said goes back to Becky's question. Um, mm-hmm. Is it? Are they? Are they good? Are they bad? Uh, in whom? In whose point of view? Are they? Is it a? Is it a side effect? Is it an experiment? Where that's obviously going to be more the story versus the cure to whatever it is. Because again, going back to the fact that you're not going to lose one of your leads in the second episode of the season, in season 11, it's just not going to happen. You don't lose a protagonist that way. So obviously Sam fixes himself somehow, which is one of those things where there's that, – and that goes back to, I mean, there's no suspense really over what's going to happen to Sam because you know that Sam's going to survive it, which is, you know, one of those things. I wonder – I wonder what the cure is going to be. I have my theories, but I'm not going to say anything yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. True love, my, my theory, my theory is is if it, whether I'm wrong or right, I think it might be a bit controversial. And plus, it involves a spoiler from the promo. So, for those people who haven't seen the promo yet, they might feel it's a spoiler. So, I don't want to do that either. But I, mm-hmm. I will say that much. I think it involves a part that we saw in the promo uh, where Sam is, we'll say, talking. He's talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll mm. hmm. Could happen. So I, I, I very much feel that it's going to be something involving that. Which I will say is an interesting parallel to Cass. There, that's that's all I'm going to say about it. It's an interesting parallel to Cass. If you can figure it out from that. You're awesome. Mm. 
think I know what you mean, but we'll see. Yeah. Could happen. So, but, yeah, if we don't have any callers, I really can't think of there's too much. Like I said, it was very much a setup episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of felt like a mid-season finale in the beginning of the season. Really mm. unusual for us. Very unusual. Uh, yeah. Jeremy Carver, you know, in the Jeremy Carver years, is a very, uh, I would say, a pretty strict formula to the show's setup. So I'm interested that he sort of deviated from that in this episode to see if there's going to be any other deviations. Uh, in the mm-hmm. season from his formula, because his formula is pretty strict. Uh, so I am interested to see if he's going to shake that up a bit. Uh, judging by the small spoilers we've gotten from filming, I'm going to vote no. But we'll see. Mm. Um, I, I just, I'm looking through my notes. I just have, like, one other thing. Um... Sam and Dean still aren't entirely telling each other everything or some of the things. Sam hasn't told Dean that he's infected, and I get why they're doing it. And but the other thing that I'm not I'm not quite sure if I'm seeing it right, or or it was maybe even Dean's not even sure, or we're just we're seeing uh, uh, Dean and Imara, Mara as a woman, as a grown woman. Um, but he's not telling Sam everything that he's heard from Amara, but he we may be seeing it, but maybe Dean isn't remembering yet, if that makes any sense. Uh, I, had, I also kind of had the feeling that maybe what, you know, Amara, whatever, compel, comp, you know, whatever she's doing with Dean, maybe he doesn't have the ability to tell her, to tell Sam everything, maybe... Mm-hmm. You know, I think that he does. I think he's trying to figure out what's going on before to he tells process them. It first. Process I, I think it, it was first. more that what I wasn't clear on, because I don't think the episode made it clear, was are his flashbacks? Is it that he's remembering it in pieces, or are they just showing us that he does remember? I'm not 100% sure either way because I don't feel like it was clear enough to say definitively. Mm. Um, and I don't, and I'm not sure if it's going to really matter either way to begin, to, you know, in reality. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But I do think yeah. that, I don't think that, I think he has the ability to tell Sam because he did tell Sam parts of it. Right. So I don't think that, I don't think that there's anything hampering him. I think that he doesn't know what to do with it right now. And I think that part of it goes to what he said. You know, Sam is trying to say, I screwed up, and Dean is saying, and I really like that they had this bit of dialogue, so as much as I did nitpick earlier dialogue, I really did love this piece that I want to say, is I love going back to the lock and key part that Dean says, yeah, you got rid of the mark, but I'm the one who took it in the first place, and I was warned. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important. I think it's important because we always get one or the other trying to say, no, it wasn't me, it was you. And, it, you know, or it wasn't you, it was me. They're always trying to take or put the blame on one. And I like mm-hmm. that it's more of a shared blame kind of issue. And therefore, you know, like Dean's saying, it's our mess, we clean it up. And I like, mm-hmm. it's, it's I, I like that. I like that it's it's a recognition of, that they both made 
decisions that led them to this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like and it's sort too. of, it's, and I, it goes back to the it kind of the opposite of what I said I didn't like in season five in terms of the vessels, the idea of the vessels. It's the inverse of that. I like when, I like a butterfly effect kind of thing. And I like I like that. I like that one decision one can make will domino other things. And this is the prime example of that. Dean made a decision that led to Sam making a decision that led to Dean making the decision that led to Sam making a decision. So it's everybody's fault and nobody's fault. Except, mm-hmm. well, no, totally, totally their mm-hmm. fault. Totally their yeah. fault. And I get why Sam hasn't told Dean that he's infected because that would at, at, at least affect what's happening with Dean and taking care of the baby. At worst, it would make him abandon the baby and go after after Sam to save him, which I don't well, think he would do because he's obliged. Yeah, and also, you know, Sam, Sam, gave that, Sam gave that big speech, and like you said, right. he knows that if he told Dean what was going on, then, again, I go back to what I said, then his speech is pointless because Dean didn't agree mm-hmm. with him. Sam gave his speech, and Dean did not agree. Dean said right. nothing. He went, mm. He let Sam. He let Sam go on a roll, and that was it. Right. Which is my favorite kind of bean, so I don't care. I I'm I again as we've talked about, Sam and Dean aren't real and the victims in the show aren't real and the world in the show isn't real. So mm-hmm. the burn the world mentality, I like it. Because it's it's screwed up and I like screwed up things. Mhm. Yeah. yeah, completely agree. That's, and I, I that's that's something I said a million times on the podcast, if these people were real, of course I don't want them to have all the problems that they have. I want them to be, yeah, I want them to be healthy people, you know, but they're not real. Oh, I would have them in therapy so fast. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're not not real. They're entertainment. They're, They're what I go to an hour every week to get away from the real world. So give me your codependency. Give me your unhealthy mental issues. Yep. Get, you know, give me all, you know, give me all of that. <laughs> give me I your bitches, your, 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 your kidnapping, your, exactly. your guns, your weapons. Give it all to me, but not really. Which is why I said, which is why I said at the beginning, stop making me as an audience member feel bad about that. Uh Either stop doing it or don't make me feel bad about it. But you can't have it both ways. Um, so if you want to, if you want to stop doing that, stop testing it. Then um, it goes back to that. And you know, can we discuss how the the show literally and the show literally opens up with Sam getting a head injury again? I saw that. Oh, jeez. I thought, oh, my God, Sam hit his head again. And did you notice how easy it was for him to go unconscious? It was just a teeny After you've been hit that many times, wouldn't it be easy for you to You've got a soft spot. That's what my point was going to be. He's been hit so much harder so many other times 
that now it just doesn't really take anything to just knock him right unconscious. I know. He buffed his head on the window and whoop, he went out. (laughs) So I'm assuming. I have hit my head worse than that before. (laughs) So I assume that since we already got Sam getting hit on the head, within the next three episodes, Dean has to get flung against the wall because that's how it goes, right? And and then after that, Sam will be Sam will be choked. Someone will be strangled. Yes. Oh yes, 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 yes. Oh, I like continuity. (laughs) And then someone and Sam will be tied up. Sam will be tied to a chair. Uh, Oh, totally. Can't forget tying Sam up to something. Oh well. So sad. Continuity, and I like it. I mean, it, okay. again, it becomes one of those things that you just you you have to enjoy, and it's again we, they're not real, so Sam's head is fine, but it's still funny. <laughs> yeah, at, at this point, he's headed. He's headed for the for um, the multiple concussion syndrome, you know, which is actually a very serious thing, like in a sport like uh, football or or whatever. But you know, again, it's not reality, so Sam's head is fine. But in real life, he would be headed for that. Syndrome and would just not be right at all. But TV, so we can just keep bouncing his head off a wall and he'll be fine. <laughs> Indeed. Nope. Rolling Dean. What, what do you think? Because we know Rowena is coming back. Because, you know, we've seen her, you know, talking about, on Twitter about filming and things. What? How do we think she's going to fit in for the this season? I'm hoping we get her. I'm hoping they don't kill her off. I want Rowena around for a long, long time. I love her. I I, I if I had to if I had to guess, we've got we will have Rowena till at least mid season, if not longer. Um, which will make her the longest running. Single female character, uh, single actress, female character. That is awesome. So, mm. and oddly yeah, enough, yeah, I did the, I did this weird math not too long ago, and it was I have to, I don't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but if you take away uh, Jensen, Jared, uh, Misha, and Mark, who all have contracts, then the top Actors with double-digit appearances, there's seven. None of them have had a regular contract. The two other actors that had regular contracts, which were uh, Katie Cassidy and Lauren Cohen, don't have that many appearances because we had the aborted season three. And of the seven that have double digits, I think it was like 43% were female. I okay, actually have cool. no opinion on that. I just thought it was interesting statistics because I do that. I hate math, but for some reason, like random statistics like that and ratings fascinate me. So, again, I have no opinion to those numbers. They just exist. They are what they are. Uh, but yes, so Ruthie will be knocking out Genevieve. Genevieve was the actress uh, that previously had the most appearances. 
that she'll is be, very she'll cool. be knocking her. Not that she'll be knocking her out, but I think it's very cool. No, no, I mean, it's, I, I think it's interesting, uh, especially, like like I said, I have no real opinion in terms of those numbers, but I do think it's interesting that, you know, we do argue back and forth in fandom about uh, oh, male yeah. versus female appearances, and I didn't think that the numbers would be that close. I was really surprised that it hit 43%, closer to being, like, 50-50, because I really would have thought it would be in the 20s and 30s the way fandom tends to react to things. And mm-hmm. so I found it interesting. Now, obviously, if you add in Jensen, Jared, Misha, and Mark, use that percentage. But I didn't feel that it was fair to have them in that because, again, they are contracts. So I have, I have um, Jim Beaver as part of that seven, even though you can argue he's a regu- he was a regular, but he never had a regular contract. So he's like a weird anomaly. And if you take him out, then you're at 50-50. And not to get controversial or anything, but I'm going to bring up something that fandom does argue about a lot. I am, this is my own personal opinion, does not reflect on the, anybody <laughs> on the Winchester Brothers. Unless I agree with her. Okay. And, and I get I agree. so tired. I get so tired of Supernatural being accused of killing all the women folks off the show. Oh my God! Mm. If you look, Supernatural kills everybody. Look at how many yes. important. There's so many important male characters that have been killed off the show. You know, Bobby, uh, John Winchester, Ash, Gabriel, Balthazar, Rufus. Rufus. Yeah, <laughs> Rufus. Gordon. I mean, there's been a ton of male. Yes, there's so many male characters. Not just the female characters are killed off. And there, you know, you see these blogging articles and things written by, you know, where people are saying, you know, Mm -hmm. supernatural is misogynistic. No, they're not. They kill everybody. Supernatural is an equal opportunity killer. And I get really, really tired of that. The only thing I'm going to say about it, the only thing I'm going to say is I'm going to make a bad joke. You said blogging blogging articles and you mispronounced clickbait. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, I, you know my feelings on that, and I actually have feelings that extend beyond that. Uh, but they're not just supernatural. I have these feelings in re- regarding television where uh, being someone who's not white, um, because I'm not white, uh, I have mixed feelings when it comes to representation, because on one hand, uh, I do know, I know that being mixed race, the odds of me ever seeing myself on television as a mixed race person, I'm not going to get represented probably in my lifetime the way I want to be or need to be in terms of equality. It's just, I'm, I'm such a niche. Like, I'm, my, I don't have a box to click and too many races in one. So it's, it's a niche. So you might get somebody that's sort of like me, but it's never going to be, you know, enough, which is to say there is never enough. So on one hand, I have that feeling. On the other hand, I always feel like when people say, oh, there's a black character, they're going to die, my issue with that is you already stopped seeing that person as a person. You saw them as the black person. And right, so I, right. I, or, you know, 
the Mexican girl is going to die. Okay, well, and I use those two races because those are my two primary races of the, like, six races I am. But um, so I use those two examples, and I, I've always had that, that issue, and I always bring it up to people when you have a white, if you have two white guys, one in a blue shirt and one in a red shirt, you describe them by shirt. The guy in the red shirt, the guy in the blue shirt. For some reason, when you have a black guy in a blue shirt and a white guy in a red shirt, they become the black guy and the white guy, not the guy in the red shirt or the guy in the blue shirt. And that's when I I start to say, how colorblind are you when you're fighting my fight? And I put air quotes on fighting my fight. One of my most proudest moments as a parent was when my son Dylan was, I think he was like seven years old at the time, we were watching TV, and it was uh, it was a black guy and a white guy on the screen. And my son, how he differentiated between them was, hey, Mom, the guy in the blue shirt, blah, blah, blah. And I was <laughs> like, I am so proud. I have done something right. Yay. <laughs> oh, you done did good. And, again, uh, what I'm saying is I do feel that there's an issue. There's an issue with representation, whether it's, by gender, by race, by sexuality, but I have an issue within the issue. So, and I get that I come from a place where I can say that, and it's really difficult for someone else to come and tell me that I'm wrong or that I'm right, because, you know, for example, the two of you can't really tell me how to feel as a minority race, because, yeah. Yeah, touchy subject. I get that. I get it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you're never going to get a cohesive understanding in that. And you know, you can you can pick up another girl off the street that's also mixed race and has the exact same you know blood mix that I have. She's not necessarily going to feel the same way I feel. And so I get a little touchy when it comes to you know the arguments in supernatural or in just television in general. In general, when it comes to all these little things because there's always someone who's going to go, you're fighting my fight wrong. And there's somebody else who's going to say, you're fighting the fight against my fight wrong. It's touchy. Um, Which is why I said I found the numbers fascinating. I don't have an opinion that I'm going to say on it specifically. I just found it interesting, and I found that the one, like, outlier is Jim Beaver, and if you take him out, it's 50-50, and I thought that was really interesting. And then if you take him, if you add him as a regular, then yes, in terms of regular cast, it is 100% white male. It is. I don't have an opinion about that either, to be honest. Uh, I find the 100% of our white male cast really attractive, and I don't care. <laughs> and, and that's another thing. Look at, okay, you can't, it, it, Supernatural is a show about two white guys, Okay. Their Charmed was a show about three white girls. You didn't see people complaining on there, you know, about not being enough guys on the show. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, I have it's no just, idea if people could. Well, I mean, and I will say, I will say that that's, that is apples to oranges. You can't, it's, it's how, it's like saying, you know, there is no such thing as reverse white, uh, reverse racism. There is really no thing as, such as reverse sexism. So it's not apples to apples. To me, um, it's... It's, to me, it's just whatever the show's about. It's, you could even go and, uh, you know, if you want to go, there will be shows that, you know, are mostly one race 
and, you know, it's because that's just what type of that show it is. Like, I don't watch that show, but Fresh Off the Boat, it's, you know, it, it has a show, it's a show about an Asian family. Mm-hmm. Our people well, don't explain, you know, it's, that's what type of show it is. Well, the difference is this is something, about two white guys. I will say, as a minority, that is the difference. The difference is, is that as a minority, you have to have a show that is central. It's like, um, for instance, Meet the Browns. That's a show that it's very much about this black family. And my, I had a lot of issues with Meet the Browns because on one hand, I was sitting there going, God, this is so stereotypical and this is a show produced by 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 blacks and you stay in this stereotype and this is part of the problem. And then I also had this this point where I had to go, yeah, but you're also like each of my family members. I can literally see my uncles, my aunts, my grandmother, my father in these characters. So it was a problem and then I had to kind of like check myself on the problem. But, you know, like I'm saying, that show had to be created. Fresh on the Boat had to be created. Uh, the Mindy Project had to be created in order to give a voice. And that is a problem. Exactly. I, I, I will say that that is a problem. Um, what I will say is, at the end of the day, which I've always said is Supernatural does what it says on the tin. It's a show about these two white dudes. They're brothers. They're biological brothers. Yeah. Now, do I think that when it gets into the regulars, and the cast and the, the, the characters that have the most uh, episodes, is it is it whitewashed, male-washed? Totally. Am I mad about it? Nah. So those are two different things. It's one thing to recognize the problem. It's another thing to be upset about it. And it's another thing to look at. But I don't... Was but, supernatural... Was it... You have to also look at intent. Was there malicious intent? Or uh, now so we're getting into there, law and order. Are, stuff. Well, <laughs> there are there are nuances, and I that's why I said I will never tell someone like we're we're all three of us are female and identify as female. So for you to say it doesn't bother you, and for me to say eh, it bothers me a little, and this is why. Well, neither one of us is right or wrong because being that we're both and, females that identify as female, we don't have the place to tell the other one how to feel. Right. Exactly. Now, I will say that now if if some dude came and told me, sit down and shush, okay, we're going to have a problem. But then we have a problem because you have a privilege above mine. So I do think that the problem comes when someone with the privilege above yours tries to sit you down about your concerns or just your thoughts about it. Because you can have an opinion and a thought about something and it not necessarily be a concern. Like I said, I do recognize it's supernatural in terms of, you know, beyond Jared and Jensen, or if, whether beyond them, or if you want to include them, is a whitewashed male sh- male show. Does it concern me in terms of this show? No. Does it concern me as a whole in Hollywood? Yes. Those are two different things, in my opinion. 100% agree. But yes. if you're out there and you don't agree, that's fine. Just be nice about it is all I ask. Well, um, I do agree that, yes, Supernatural kills everybody. 
you know, to, to always point out that the women get killed. Well, they do, but so do most of the men as well. So I, that doesn't bother me. The thing that bothered me kind of, and it hasn't happened to anybody too much recently, so I, I can't bring it up as a as a recent thing, but, but when a few seasons ago, when there was a torture session, the woman would be nude or mostly nude and the men would never be nude. And I under... And I, I, and I, I, that used to bug me because I said, you know what? If they're both being tortured, so if you're going to torture one or the other, they need to either both be dressed or both undressed. I, and, just, and just I'm going to play, me. I'm going to play the two, the two parts of that because there's two parts to that. On one hand, it is the fact that I mean, if you look at other CW shows in the same genre. They're going to rip off the dude's shirt as much as they can. Jared and Jensen don't allow that. So it mm-hmm. does. Okay, so so okay, we'll talk about that difference because we do get the occasional, you know, usually if, if Cass is getting tortured, goodbye, Misha's shirt. Uh, it just it is what it is. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a power, it's a power level thing. Now, here's where we get into the problem. The actual problem is, is that female actresses that are coming onto the show, whether it's because they're female, because they're not contractual, because they don't want to speak up, because they're afraid of losing their, the job that they have, whatever the reason is, they don't have the power that Jared and Jensen have to say no. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. So the problem isn't, again, this is what I'm saying, I'm not mad at Supernatural. I'm mad at Hollywood because that is a Hollywood-wide problem. The anomaly is that Jared and Jensen rarely are shirtless on the show. They're Mm -hmm. the anomaly. Now, the overall problem in Hollywood does need to change where women need to have the same level of power to if they do not want to take their clothes off or feel it's demeaning or unnecessary, because that's also important, too. Is it necessary? Mm-hmm. If they feel like, you know, no, they have to feel that they can, there has to be a power to say, no, I don't feel that's necessary, no, I'm not comfortable, and not get released for it. So, again, those are two kind of separate issues, because I agree that it's an issue, but in terms of the CW and in terms of Supernatural, they're the anomaly because, mm-hmm. I mean, any, you know, they're going to take off Summerholder's shirt. They're going to take off Wesley's shirt. They're going to take off Amel's shirt. They they just do. So, again, we get they into a, a power thing. Yeah, you get into mm-hmm. a power thing. There's, there's a very, and we've discussed it in fandom, we've discussed it on the show, Jared and Jensen are a very unique situation in Hollywood in general. It's a very, very unique position. Um, and they well, worked hard. Five, they worked super hard for it. I'm not going to take it away from them in any way, or shut, or you know, shame them for it because you know they worked really, really, really hard for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, podcast is really turned into a very political podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it did. Um, it did. All I wanted to talk about. All I was mentioning was random numbers because you brought up Ruthie. <laughs> super got off track. 
Um, but, but my point is, is that I do think we'll have Rowena till at least the, the mid-season finale. I suspect all the way through the season, if not into next season, uh, we'll see what they do with Crowley's story because obviously her story and Crowley's story have to, you know, mesh in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope so. Yeah. I but like, I became, yeah, I became a huge fan of of her and of Rowena over the course of the last season. You know, for a yeah. while it was, where is this going? This is a little too much. What is happening? But it. Once it got its focus and it settled down, it was she was just glorious, and I'm happy to see her back this season. And I, I hope, as long as it makes this mostly makes sense for the storyline, I'm happy to have her all season. Definitely, yeah. I think I think, I think wonderful. The writers, I think the writers grew into her, and I think Lucy grew into the role, and. Yeah, as mm-hmm. we discussed early last season, we were all kind of going, "What is what is going on here?" Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but, but it came um, together. She, she very much grew to be. Yeah, she very much grew to be uh, somebody that I will consider a favorite character, not just in her time frame, but in general. I mean, she's 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 pretty top ten for me right now. Mm-hmm. And Ruthie, Ruthie herself is she's she's awesome. She don't, you oh, know, she was on a podcast. She was on a podcast last year. She donated a T-shirt um, for our Team Levi auctions, and she is so awesome at the conventions. I know at BanCon, I think she did it again at Dallas. When during her panel, she would give, she gave out hotel toiletries to people who asked <laughs> questions that she liked. Yeah, she's and been. It was, a, she's it was hilarious. She's been a great addition to the con circuit as well. Like. Um, and again, as you know, going back to this, uh, kind of mixing with that, if you want Ruthie or anybody to keep getting invited to cons, you've got to buy those photo ops, people. That's the key right there. You've got to buy those photo ops because nobody's getting paid per panel. No matter how many, you know, you don't, you don't purchase tickets per panel. So you can't, they can't gauge interest that way. You've got to buy those photo ops. That's how people get invited back. So, you know, I think I think Ruthie's been a great addition to the cons. I mean, buy photo op. You gotta do it. That, that's mm. that's the that's the seller, guys. So, I mean, everybody yells at creation, but you know, at the end of the day, you have to. It, it, we we hold the we hold the power, and also the blame for who gets invited and who doesn't. And speaking of our Team Levi auctions, while we're still live here, I want to mention those. They're still going. Our current auctions end on Sunday. We've got some really cool stuff up this week. Uh, We have one of the Creations Large banners of Jared in a tank top. It's really sexy and hot. And it was autographed by Jared. That was so shameless. (laughs) (laughs) It was donated to us by uh, friend Maria. And we have a Supernatural tank top, wallet, bracelet, and traveler's cup. We have an auction for uh, one of USAopoly's um, Supernatural Ouija boards signed by Misha. We have a Supernatural necklace, ring, and earrings donated by Film Jewels. We have a Supernatural, we have a Crowley t-shirt, one of his, it says, Hello Boys, it was donated to us by from our friend Sandra, 
as well as an autographed Mark Shepard photo along with that in the auction. Then we have an auction for um, Yosiopoli donated a small games, the Clue and Monopoly board. Clue and Monopoly game, we have an auction for those. We have an awesome autographed photo of Nikki Acock. She specifically made these four-hour auctions. And she, um, she put together photos with lyrics of her songs and signed them. And so we have one of those up for auction. And then Kansas, you know, of Carry On Wayward Son, Kansas, donated us several things, and this week we have um, one of the, they sent us a cap, it's a Kansas 40th anniversary cap, and uh, we got Jared and Denson to sign it at VanCon, so that is a pretty darn cool, awesome item, if you ask me. And then our big item this week is the Supernatural Season 10 finale script, Brothers Keeper. It was originally donated by Misha to William Shatner for his charity auctions, and um, the, the awesome person who won the auction donated it back to us. It came when she got it. It had been autographed by Jared, Jensen, Misha, and Mark. And then she took it to uh, another to another convention and got Elena Hoffman, Travis Wade, uh, Elena Hoffman, Elena Hoffman, Travis Wade, and um, Tyler Johnston, who plays Alfie, got them to sign it. And then Misha has included a little artwork inside, and artwork is in quotation to kind of give you a, you know, just so you know it's not some big thing, it's just a little thing. <laughs> and um, and then um, Denson has signed it again on the inside around one of the emotional lines from the finale, and Jared signed, uh, signed it again around another emotional line in the episode and included a special little message. If you want to know about the artwork and those messages and the lines, you got to win the auction, so it's mm, pretty cool. Got to pay, and it's um, and, it's getting and pretty there's up there, a so. lot. Yeah, um, if there's things that have you still have you're priced out of, or um, there's things in these auction in this auction pool that haven't been your things, there is a bunch more stuff coming. So, uh, and also we do. If you want to donate to Team Levi, uh, you know, just, you know, we are also have T-shirts. T-Public is doing this awesome thing. Um, of course, they let, they're letting us sell a shirt with the proceeds going to Team Levi. Archie Denise, fantastic, awesome artist, designed a graphic based on the little Levi gas station sign that Jensen had made for the episode he directed back in Season 10 um, that is a tribute to his nephew, Levi. It's a design, a uh, piece of art based on that, and you can buy the T-shirt. Um, different, it starts at twenty. It just depends on which style T-shirt you want, and the proceeds go to Team Levi. Very cool. You can find all that information on our Twitter, Facebook, and website, InchesterBros.com. Except for the stuff that hasn't posted yet, you just have to wait. <laughs> yeah, except for that. <laughs> but it, we and, do have a lot of a lot of stuff. And if you just want to donate directly to Team Levi, we also have a link to that on our website, over on the right side. You can donate directly under your own name um, if you prefer to do that. And uh, also the um, our guest last week, Cliff, Mitch, and Jason, the Supernatural fandom movie has five days to go on their Indiegogo page. Um, so if you want to check that out, they just opened up a new perk today. So check that out if you're interested in 
um, supporting that movie. We've got the links on our website, Twitter, Facebook. You can follow them. Follow Cliff. You can follow Mitch. You can follow Jason. You can follow SPN Fan Movie on Twitter. All the information is there. Okay. But we've got five more minutes on the air. Oops, sorry. Yeah, uh, on that note, I have cheesecake in the refrigerator, so I'm a piece out. Sorry. If I had known known you had cheesecake, I'd have let you go a long time ago. That's an emergency right there. You should go. It is is cheesecake from a local German bakery, and it is calling my name. So, uh, again, I did like the episode. What it did was actually make me more excited for the second episode, which is weird, but I'll take it. Yes, yes long I work, agree. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for next week. Completely agree. Yep. So, yep. Good, good, good fun, setup, Jeremy Carver. Start. Yep, good uh, start. It's, it's, and, and, yeah, we're going to get going, and I'm glad to see it. I, I really am so excited. Good setup, Jeremy Carver. It's yours to lose next week, uh, Andrew Dobbs. And, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this season. It's kind of early to, to judge, but I, I'm looking forward to it. seems like a lot of good stuff going to happen. Anyway, um, are we good discussing? Uh, discussing? Discussing. Yeah, cheesecake, good night. Cheesecake, <laughs> good night. Thanks, everybody. Welcome back, and we'll let the boys take us out. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.